Boys are back for episode 30 of Point Shot, brought to you by High Stick Vodka, the double gold award-winning vodka from the heart of the Okanagan, with such a smooth and clean flavor that you'll forget we've lost to, like, Detroit, Buffalo, I don't know, who else, guys? <laughs> Minnesota, Philadelphia. Minnesota. Yeah, some, some nice, nice L's that we've already taken this year. Haven't won a home game, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. Well, I, I, I know my, there's only been two, but yeah, only two home games. But you know what? Seven, eight games now. I it's it's not been as entered. Like I was expecting high scoring games and us to lose by two or three, but they were going to be fun, offensive minded games. And I, if anyone's been following my Twitter feed, I, you know it's the funniest tweet. Sometimes you like send out a tweet and you're like, "This is going to get two likes," or I just like felt I needed to say this, but like you don't need any reaction or expect any reaction. And then all of a sudden, it's one that blows up. And I've been now fighting this battle about you know Travis Green versus Benning uh, for Correct. the last two days. It seems, and uh, of course, yeah. Apparently, apparently now the problem is the coach, the coach that we just resigned, the coach that everyone was desperate and, and fretting over losing, and apparently now people think it's realistic. After again, here we are in year eight of Benning, that oh well, it's it's probably the coach. And seven and games in, that's a quick decision, but uh, that's a, like I'm too, honestly, too small of a window for the co- or for the GM. I, I'm, it's it's I, I, I honestly <laughs> like I'm just baffled at times, and like my my ability to have some of these conversations, I I, I just I can't, I can't anymore. Like I, I've just got to the point. Where like, I'm just like you know what this this is never never going to go anywhere. You're you're never going to want to see this subjectively. Uh, you know what am I even trying for anymore? That's a great word that you use subjectively mm-hmm. looking at it subjectively i mean i'm a canucks fan as much as i cover the team i'm a huge canucks fan i just redid my intro and one of the the parts for for my show that is in, is jeff batterson saying i want to cover a stanley cup i want to cover a winning team everybody wants to cover a winning team everybody wants yeah. to watch the canucks win they want to see it win but subjectively we can look we can take a step back and say okay well this isn't working they need to maybe redo this. We're not just kind of looking at it like, oh, well, huge Canucks fans. We just want them to win. We don't care. Just win, win, win. We're going to throw oh, eight games into the season. We don't like what Travis Green's doing, so let's get rid of him. No, we're able to look back, take a step back, relax, and subjectively look at things. I, I think the biggest thing to remember, and I feel like this can be said in every single podcast that we ever do, is that this market is highly intelligent. This isn't your average hockey market where anything can go, and as long as you win games, they will just be blinded and, and completely confuddled to all the goings-ons that happen off the ice or uh, as far as uh, you know, team 
roster construction and all those type of decisions. Like every decision, even call-ups are going to be scrutinized, <laughs> right? Like they will, right? Like Cap, Nick Patan got recalled. Okay, well, what does that mean for the team? Why did Phil G- DiGiuseppe not make the team? Um, you know, like every little minute thing is a discussion point. And I think that's a, that's a great thing. Um, what that also, though, goes to is that of all people, media really want this team to be good because, one, there's more hits and more people interested in content. Like, people are like, oh, hate sells. No, it does not. Like, it really does not. You think hate sells because this team's been bad for so long that we can't remember when the team was good and those articles were blowing up. Every article that's like... Uh, the Sedins are on a roll. Like those type of articles, Mason Raymond is underappreciated. Like those articles blew up. That's what media want to write. Media want to write those things. That's what I personally, I want to talk about is, is how this team is blowing expectations out of the water. And this is a legitimate Stanley cup contending team. And here we are like, you know, eight, nine years into, uh, I don't know the abyss like and and we're still not we're not there there's no real direction that you can look to and point to to say well yes but it's all worth it like look at detroit look at detroit they've been bad for five years but how exciting is their hockey right now right like we've we've gotten every year we've gotten a new rookie to to fawn over but at a certain point the cupboards are empty and that's where we're we're at like yes you can name seventh round picks uh, and prospects that come from those as oh the cupboard's not it. like nobody's cupboard is absolutely barren of all prospects there are going to be prospects coming up but what are they going to do for you and when and for the canucks they've, they've run out of impactful guys that are going to step into the lineup um and and make an impact they don't have any more pedersen Pedersons and Hughes's or Bessers, right? That's it. This is it. So you've taken the steps with the OEL trade and stuff to say that you're going to compete now. So yeah, damn right. The fan base has the the every right to point at things right now and say they need to be a lot better than this. Why? Because you've mortgaged the future, the future that you were selling for years to win today. And if you're not winning today, then what the hell are you selling? And I think that's where everything's at right now. This is too smart of a market and fan base to fool us on this. Like we've been saying this for a long time. You know, yeah, it's the the problem is we you need to have that second step. Once you are a playoff team, you need to then be able to take another step and to put yourself over the top. And and traditionally you do that by either having guys top prospects on ELCs that you can now insert into the lineup or top picks, first and second round picks that you can then trade for guys to take you from a, a consistent playoff team to a Stanley Cup contender. To get the Toffolis, to get the Millers when you're in the right spot, yes. But but when you do that, when you trade picks and you trade prospects already to get from being a non-playoff team, a very average, mediocre team, to a playoff team, now there's nothing left in the tank to take that second step. And this is what I've been screaming about what I feel like for, you know, five years, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and uh, it, you know, just keeps falling on deaf ears. And that's, you know, why 
you know, it's just, it's just getting frustrating. Like, you know, I, I, as, as much as I, I don't often give him credit, Dave Nonis said, I think something very intelligent one time. Aside from his Luongo trade announcement. Yeah. yeah. Well, you also know how I feel about Luongo, but I'll, I'll move on from that one quickly. Uh, you can be exciting and lose or boring and win, but you can't be boring and lose. And that's what's happening to the team right now. We're, we're boring. We're the, the low scoring games. There's no offense. There's no crazy moments and, and we're losing. And that's when you see the general fan base, not the, not the real hardcores, but the, the average typical Canucks fan, that's when you see them start to tune out and apathy is you know, sport cancer. And, and unfortunately, if we continue down the road, this road, that's what's going to happen. Our people are just going to start tuning out. You know, I, I, you know, we had, there was a Monday night football game that was exciting and the Canucks game. And obviously I'm flipping back and forth, but I found myself compelled to flip to the football game a lot quicker and check on that. And then found myself watching that and going, Oh, right. Remember there's a Canucks game on too. And then I'd watch that until the commercial break right back over to football and, and, you know, now I was watching the football game, you know, barely watched the Canucks game. I, you know, I, I've, there have been Canucks games already I've missed this year that I just haven't watched, you know, checked on Twitter to see kind of what was going on. You know, the, like the, the, the like intrigue, the excitement, like, oh, what's, what's going to happen? It's just, it's just not there. It's just not there for me. Which is funny because they put in a lot in the offseason to build that, right? Like they did the big splashy trade. They went and they were like, we're all in. They went with all in moves. You would think that that would, I think if they started out better, then they would build like some momentum. But obviously, like like you said in the opening, like losing to teams like Buffalo and Detroit are pretty brutal. Um, I said it at the start and everybody's like, it's too small of a sample size, like give it more time. I haven't seen a game, even the ones where they win, where I'm like, they genuinely earned that game like too many times, right? Like, they earned the game against Detroit. They lost, but they also allowed Detroit's power play to like look very good, like Stanley Cup caliber good against them. I thought they very much didn't earn um, anything in the Philadelphia game last night until the second period and maybe only the second period. Um, and then like Seattle, they didn't deserve that game. Uh, you know, like there's, I just, I, I'm watching and I'm like, this team has no forecheck at all, which was like their one strength that they had um, last season was, and the season before was there were a quick counter forechecking offense with bad defense and good goaltending. And now they're a decent defensive team with lots of weapons up front that none of them can figure out how to shoot because none of them are forechecking and they're all dialed in to, to clog up the neutral zone. Like the, uh, Where's the forecheck? Well, this is where my conversation in the thread has gone on Twitter. People are saying, well, it's green system that sucks and that's making the players suck. The problem though, is that we are last year, we tried to play, as you said, that more offensive system and what happened? It was high and and we lost badly often. High event hockey. High event hockey. Of course, what you do if you make it low event hockey, defensive hockey, is you limit those chances. So there's a higher probability of you winning a one goal game, right? That's just simple math and statistics. Because our D is so weak, 
the, the offense is playing more defensively as well. So they're not able to play the typical offensive style that they are. And if anyone has played team sports at a competitive level and you have a clear area of weakness compared to another team, you overcompensate, you to overcompensate fix it. for that thing and your confidence is not there and you're not thinking about doing your job, you're worried about doing someone else's. And to me, that is what's happening is everyone knows, hey, look, we've got a great top six. And I'm saying top six right now because seemingly one injury to the bottom six completely derails that. Yeah. You know, having a top straw nine, which was apparently going to be our calling card this year. So they're all playing a more defensive, you know, check first, safe play, limit opportunities. And that's why a terrible defense actually looks decent right now because everyone is overcompensating for them and they're not able to do their jobs, but everyone's pitching in. So people look at the cumulative work of the defensive game and they say, hey, look, the defense is actually pretty good. And of course, we've got an absolute stud in net who's bailing us out. You know, he's, he stole us at least one game already this year. So well, he's, he's the top in the league for, for saves uh, like against goals that were expected, right? Like... You remember when people are like, man, we can't let go of Markstrom. Better better not get an asset for Markstrom. This Demko guy's not ready. Guess I won't pat on my shoulder on that one today. But uh, I remember writing an article about that a year before he left. Yeah. Um no, I I'm with you. I, I you know it's it's frustrating. Like there's a lot of different storylines. Obviously, Pedersen hasn't been good. We can all be really bluntly honest about that. He hasn't been good. He hasn't been Pedersen. He will get there. I'm not worried about it. But he, he's right now he's not games the last year. Yeah, he's right? not been good. He, he That's just a simple most fact. Of the camp with a ser- serious like I am not at all worried about the player that Elias Pettersson is. He he no. will. But when you have missed that much time and then already start behind the eight ball, it doesn't just take you that many games. Oh well, he's now played as many preseason games as he should have. Well, everyone else has now played those preseason games plus seven eight regular season games. So, so it's not like they've stopped and he's now caught up. They're still further ahead. So it's going to take some time. I don't know when. I'm obviously hopeful sooner than later, but there's there's no crystal ball on exactly when that's going to happen. But he's going to you know get into a routine and a rhythm and 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 be Elias Patterson. <laughs> it's just we the schedule just hurts. Like it's it's a shame we haven't played you know Vegas, Colorado, like you know top top teams uh, right off the bat. And save some of these easier wins for when we get our shit together, because it's going to be much harder to win those games later against those top teams. And you know we don't get our you know muffin games against the the Detroit Red Wings and the Buffalo Sabers, and you know the, what those should be you know scheduled win games. Yeah, I with with Pedersen, like it's his hands, right? Like his hands look like stone right now, and that's you got to think practice. Yeah. He looks like he looks like stone. I, I'm yes. you guys might not be a little bit worried. I mean, or or you know, just pushing the worry down the line. As long as we we see Pedersen get to that level, we'll we'll be fine. It's just when are you worried? I'm worried. See, I'm, but he I'll won't tell you why I'm not worried. I'm not worried that he won't ever get back to that player that he was. I'm just worried because it'll take too long. Even even when if you think back to no, if you just think back to the last couple of years when he would go through little slumps, right? He wasn't having point streaks. The things that Malcolm was talking about before, uh, you know, about kind of uh, playing a defensive game and going to the right positions and not having to compensate. Well, he didn't have to do that before. There was still always the, you know, the flashes where he he had eight posts. Well, he's not, it's not the kind of the same, like we're not 
seeing that this season. And I don't know, I, you know, there's, you throw out the, the crazy things. Oh, his wrist could still be injured. He's got to get his feet. Um, I didn't have the preseason, all of this. Yeah. You know, lots of things, but it's just, there's, there's something about like his, his game, his mentality that has seemed to change from mm-hmm. the last couple seasons. I mean, yeah, short sample size, but just, I mean, when they play the, um, the Edmonton Oilers tonight or the next game that you watch, just kind of watch when he doesn't have the puck. And it's just, it's, it's a different, it's a different PD. And, and that's kind of the only thing that maybe scares me is like, if, if he's, there's something that he, like he, he was told not to do or wanted to maybe make an adjustment to his game to be more of that defensive sulky player, as opposed to that, you know, elite superstar that's dangling through people. We don't need Selkie PD. We need Deaky Pete, right? Mm-hmm. So the only thing that I'm a little bit worried about, so I'd like to see a turnaround in, in a couple games, but just with the play off the puck. Don't need to get on the score sheet. I just need to see something when you don't have it. See, to me, this, this is why I'm not I'm not concerned about PD. Like, I do wonder how long it'll take him to get up to his usual self. But I know that it will happen eventually, right? Um, the reason why I, I'm not concerned is that the hands are the kind of the last thing that kind of come back, right? Like when you're not playing lots, you've got an injury, especially to a wrist. Um, hands are kind of the last thing that that uh, come back to your game. We're starting to see some forecheck from him. We're seeing some good board battles. That's good. Um, so much of Pedersen's game is his hands, right? Like he's got, like you said, Deaky Pete, right? Like he's got the, that vision. He's got the, it's the handles. It's precision. And it's that's, off that's, right now. And that's practice. And so much of his game is built on confidence. When, like when Pedersen's at his peak and he's like, he's dangling guys, he's got that, he's got his shot dialed in. He is all swagger, right? Like he's throwing the reverse hits. He's, he's nasty right? He doesn't, he's playing like he has zero confidence right now. And it's, I think it just simply is because he knows he's not there and it's, it's pissing him off. Um, I can see that as the case though. Like, I mean, it it was a pretty significant wrist injury. Malcolm's already mentioned, you know, 26 games in the last calendar year, 18 months or, or whatever it's been. So yeah, that, I mean, I just it, think like once the hands come back, he'll he'll undress somebody, he'll gain a little bit of swagger, and then he'll it'll start rolling. But it just it needs to come back right like at that. Like I think it's just gotta be his hands gotta show up first. This is the first adversity he's ever suffered. I you know, as yep. far as I know. Yeah, right. I would agree. I would agree. Like with you're that. you're you're a young kid, you're growing up, you're a hell of a lot better than everyone else you're growing up with. You you know, win you know, I'm going to forget the name, you know, but MVP of the Swedish elite league after getting drafted, you know, higher than expected, you go Fox in, you win yeah. rookie of the year, you, you know, go on and have a great run in the bubble. And then, you know, just epic collapse last year, you know, and in one of his interviews, he said, Oh, and, and something about last year, you know what, let's just completely forget about last year. Right. Like it's, it's it, it, clearly a scarring experience for him. And, and, you know, that's, you know, that uh, sometimes I think, you know, what's the difference between being an adult or being a kid? It's, it's getting screwed over. Like, if you haven't been screwed over at least once, I don't know if you're really an adult yet. And and, and, and maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's an adult now. 
and uh, and is and, you know is going to have to grow up a little bit and realize that you know everything's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time. And you know this is his job, and and now he's being paid incredibly well for it. And it's it's time to get serious and and you know leave some of those distractions before uh, behind. Uh, obviously, we haven't uh, had a, a podcast since the, those comments came out that you know he thought maybe he was focusing a little bit too much on social media last year. Uh, which to me, that's, you know, shows personal growth. Like I'm not worried about the, that, you know, now being a, an issue or something like that moving forward. I, I don't wonder if he's suddenly the, the prospect that's uh, career was going to be derailed by video games. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's revealing. And, you know, as I said, I, you know, the, yes, he, objectively, he's not playing well right now. And, you know, no one knows how long it's going to take for him to get up to, you know, and, and become PD again. But I, I think you're right, Sean. I think it's going to be one one little moment that he goes DQP'd on someone and scores a beautiful goal. And that, you know, it's going to be kind of like a video game. And you just see that like, boop, 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 like you know, like just a power up power moment. Up bonus, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, He's going to collect so- some ankles and he, yeah, he's going to be boosted. He's going to go Super Mario mode. And he'll be the Elias Patterson that we know him to be. And I, I have full confidence in that happening. Like, I, I've seen a lot of people comparing him and Hughes. Like, they both miss camp, um, blah, blah, blah. Hughes played a hell of a lot more hockey than Petey has in the last year. And he didn't have an injury to rehab against. So, like, it's not the same. It's it's not about training camp. And he didn't sit it out. He was in, He was in a contract stalemate. It's not his fault that Benning decided to save his two franchise cornerstones to training camp. <laughs> like, I'm glad you said it, and I didn't have to. Come because, on, again, that's that's another thing. It was like how, you you know he hasn't played in a while. You know his game is precision, and precision is practice. And you so you know you should have prioritized him. And not having him in camp day one is in, you know still inexcusable in my books. I, it, it doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't open up cap space and then not leave enough to get your two superstar franchise cornerstones done long-term and, 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 you know, right away. So they're not missing any camp because, you know, like you said, he, he missed a ton of time last year. So has to catch up for that has to catch up for most of training, you know, training camp, most of preseason. And, you know, now he's, you know, well, well, well behind the eight ball. So, you know, to me, realistically, December, January is when I'm expecting PD to be PD. Uh, you know, if I had to put my money down on, on best guess, it would be sometime in that timeline. I don't think it's, you know, tomorrow. It's, it's, it's certainly going to take some time. It's not like he's right there right now. Uh, he's, he's still a clear step, if not a step and a half back from everyone else. And, and, you know, his, his ghost former self, if he's chasing himself down a rainbow road or something like that, you know? Okay, I've got a question based off that because I think you're on the on the right track personally with that. Like I'm my opinions in line there. If it takes Pedersen significant time, like more than like tonight against Edmonton to figure this out. How like is are the Canucks a playoff team? My my answer has not changed since Yeah, the I, I didn't I didn't have them as a I'm looking up at my uh NHL predictions and uh, i don't have them as a playoff team i didn't have them at the start of the season i don't have them now the, Which... the hope was calgary would take a step back they haven't they haven't and the hope was edmonton would say take a step back and they haven't 
when they've taken so a step forward. Yeah. They, they, you know, they look like they've taken a step forward okay. as well. So, so there's are your, you know, you know, your three natural births and then I expect, you know, five to get in. Uh, from the central. I'm quite happy that I have the Edmonton Oilers at the top of my Pacific division in my, See, in my I'll be preseason uh, standings. But my, my predictions so far are kind of hot and cold. I, I predicted a bit of a step back for Edmonton. That is so far definitely not been the case, but I did expect a step forward for Calgary, um, and that appears to be the case. So I'll take I'll take fifty percent on that one. <laughs> um, Vancouver, I figured would be on the bubble, right? I figured that they would be, if they were a playoff team, they were going to squeak in, and if they weren't, they were just going to miss. And um, unfortunately, I don't even know if they're that close right now. Well, I um, think I think they're still going to be that close. I think like they're going to be April, March April. They're going to be in the hunt for the last playoff game. Like it's not going to be a, Oh, well the season's over 10 with 10 games to go kind of thing. I think they're going to be fighting for it. Meaningful games in March, baby. Here we oh, go. Yeah. Eight years of that. I, it's like, but to me, like, okay, just looking at the Pacific alone, LA is taking a step forward. Um, then you not have, much. we're still better than LA. Yeah. I, I agree. But then you have Vegas that's dealing with injuries and that's the only reason why they're down. Vegas. But yeah. They, Vegas will be fine. But they will get Stone and Pacioretty back, and they're going to go on a, a run. Right? Hopefully not Eichel. I was just going to say, and it sounds like they might be getting Jack Eichel. If, uh, if I honestly all think of these that's happening, are uh, coming through. I've heard Holy. that's his preferred destination. Which, like, honestly, it makes total sense. We were talking about that in the summer, right? Like uh, Vegas yeah. was Vegas and Calgary were the two destinations that I thought made the most sense for Jack Eichel. Well, and, and and one of them only uh, only one of those is a no tax state. Yep. And only one of them is like a genuine cup contender, right? <laughs> the, like, uh, and is like, he's the missing piece in Vegas, you, yeah. you could argue, right? Like, they need a 1C. Eichel is absolutely a 1C. So, um, so they're, they're going to come back and be good. Edmonton is running away right now. Calgary's good. Um, I think that's, that's five teams. San Jose are... isn't as bad as I expected. San Jose is better than expected. They'll come back to Earth, though. Anaheim's more fun than expected. Um, yeah, yeah, better and and better than I expected overall. And and we yeah. just always seem to struggle against Anaheim naturally. And Seattle, I don't really know yet, right? Like it's so it's so hard to get a read on them, man. Like they're all over the place. The the, the best day of this offseason for me is still the the Seattle expansion draft day. <laughs> what a gift. Thank you so much to everyone who shit the bed on that day. <laughs> I remember when the draft happened, I was like, oh my God, he did it. He's a genius. There's going to be like dozens of trades off of this and he's just going to clean house in these trades. And then there was like no trade, one trade. And I, I was like, know, objectively, what? I, think, I think that was our worst podcast ever because it was just, it was all the information had leaked. And we were just sitting there being like, all right, baby, here come the trades. Here come the trades. <laughs> at the very end, pit look for a fourth. Like, we had great engagement in that, though. <laughs> Everybody was in the same boat. We, we were all thinking the same thing. Uh, there has to be more to this. nothing, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as, like, actual content, it was just, here's the, here's the list that we know of. And we get to watch them <laughs> announce them live. <laughs> Damn it. Thank you. I don't quite... Yet know uh, know what to make of the Seattle Kraken. Like they're they're kind of doing what I figured they'd be doing, just sawing off games with some you know depth and a good goaltending from Grubauer. But I like them systemically. Like they play a good a tight system. They're they're hard checking. 
they just don't have the talent to score um, at yeah. a high level. And that's what we knew going into the season. We're like, who's going to score? Um, but that's that's what it was like with, with Vegas, too, when they came in as an expansion yeah. franchise. And I think everybody was just kind of put like, okay, this Seattle is going to come in and do exactly what Vegas did. And they completely went a different way. They're like, no, no, we, we want to do things like this. Um, yeah, they mm-hmm. saw the blueprint that Vegas had laid out and went, you know what? Let's do the exact opposite of that. We don't want to make it to the Stanley Cup final in the first year. <laughs> Let's take that and do the opposite. There's our second Seinfeld episode or reference for the <laughs> <laughs> Just do, do, do everything the opposite that George Costanza does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, Vegas, they're going to be out of it in the next couple of years unless, I mean, unless they keep just selling assets and, and trying to stay on top. But I think Seattle wanted to do what we all wanted the Canucks to do was go for a long-term, actual, successful build. build. Yeah, And that's why they accumulated all those draft picks. Oh, wait, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't even do that. <laughs> yeah, but, then, but the that's I why think... they used all that cap space so effectively taking on guys like Grubauer when they'd already got Drager from Florida. Like, yeah. and paraded him out as one of their like centers. And Vanacek, who they just sent back who, to Washington. Vanacek, who they traded back to Washington for a second instead of taking Dylan, who they could have got two second round picks for from Winnipeg. Like there was just so many nonsensical things. That oh, they my did. favorite is still the Gavin Bayruth or Peg. They're not building their team to your guys' specs, okay? They're building that's their correct. team to yeah. their specs. I, and, yes. I lo- and I love them for it. I, I Do they have them. specs? Yeah. Yes. Um, Gavin Bayruther was my favorite pick because he they pick him from Columbus. They decide not to sign him because he's an RFA. So he they didn't even qualify him. So he becomes a free agent and goes and signs back in Columbus. So, like, they negated two of their picks with Vanacek and Bayreuther, who just returned to their old clubs, one for a second and one for literally nothing. So, instead of, I don't know, going and getting, like, Max Domi, a guy who can actually score um, and fill a need there with the abundance of cap space that they stored up, or the, I don't know, maybe they could have flipped Max Domi to a team that could really use somebody like that. Or, or um, you take on a bad contract and a, an asset, a top prospect, and a pick. Where, where when, was any of that? When they didn't take Carey Price, you knew it was going to be crazy. You're like, okay, they're doing. They're, they're oh, see, to me, if they like, took Carey Price, I was uh, that would have been. I would have been buckling my seatbelt up because that would have been unbelievable. No, but that's what Josh was saying. There is when they didn't take Price, oh. you knew you knew they were going in a dramatically different direction, which is obviously a fair point. Uh, other than the well, okay, when they didn't take Tarasenko. You yeah, yeah they were going in a different direction. How good because... would Tarasenko look in Seattle right now? Oh. He's on fire, and they need goals. Seven scoring. million and three years left on his deal. Like coming back from an injury, but not like a traditionally career-ending one. And, and you... he's still under thirty. And and like Vince Dunn's a good player, but they had a good de- defense. They didn't need to add to the defense. Yeah. You know, so again, like, like, <laughs> like, like it was the best hockey day of, of the offseason for me. It was the day they picked their team. Vince Dunn is playing third pairing minutes for Seattle right now. Yeah, Tarasenko would be a first season. line player. Well, Tarasenko is technically still on the trade block. It's a soft trade block now, but yeah, technically, I guess he's still on it according to his agent. But we'll see how uh... if i'm seattle or st louis i'm not wanting to do that but if i'm tarasenko i'm like i'm auditioning to get out of here <laughs> that's what i'm doing yeah um yeah i'm i'm showing everybody that i am good and there's no injury issues here that i am a worthwhile bet um, exactly 
So we'll see. That'll be that'll be an interesting one too, because goal scoring is a premium. And to me, if I'm Seattle, I want Tarasenko. But do you this early go and trade for Tarasenko and be like you messed up. You could have had him for absolutely nothing, but instead now you're trading assets to go get him. Like, and, and I assume yeah. it would be significant assets at this point, especially now. Yeah, he's on fire. <laughs> Tarasenko is good. I think Seattle's just gonna hang out. They got no so ambitions. Too. They're just chilling. They're if like, anything, hey. they'll sell assets. Yeah, we got cool. We got a cool arena. Come check it out. It's underground. Do they ever? That is a dope did you, arena. Did you hear what they did for the last game though? No. So you know how you can you can from the street you can see th- into the windows and kind of see the game. Mm-hmm. They pulled down the blinds for the last game, so people <laughs> couldn't see from outside. <laughs> I guess too many people were just hanging out outside and watching the game. Yeah, free game. <laughs> you know what? Fair well, enough. Like, have you guys ever been to sports bar? I know Sean obviously hasn't, but Josh, have you been yeah. to sports bar and sat in those booths like that overlook the arena? Like you have a freaking box. Yeah. Like what a loophole that is! The yeah, we I'll had get a, a table over there, please. Yeah, Thanks. we we sat in there a couple times, uh, and the like people who actually had there's like you know a, a row of like booth like tabletop seats in front, and they like turned to us, be like, "How did you guys get those seats?" Like, oh, we just walked in the restaurant. Like, you don't have tickets, and we're like, we don't. <laughs> we you gotta pissed. go. You gotta go super early. Like, you gotta be there at like one, two, or like whenever it opens to get those good seats but if you, you get to them know someone who works there there's my uh, uh there's my tip do they take oh. reservations because that would be a absolute no, loophole <laughs> yes i have i have been to that spot it is it is a loophole it's cheating <laughs> yeah it's absolutely cheating it's a fantastic place to get a beverage and a a lot of a lot of like newer arenas though are like doing that where they have like the out kind of outbound restaurants that almost look in on things without like almost being there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's just a way, a way to maximize capacity in some of those spots. It's true. Think like if one day Kraken are in the playoffs and you can, you just like set up almost like an outside viewing area and, and charge people to, to go and basically window shop your game. And you're not, you're not over capacity. It's outside the building. I think that'd be interesting. There's not like very a many places. Party. Yeah, but with with where um, Rogers Arena is, you'd have to like move it almost over to like by BC Place, like the Plaza oh, Nation area. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to like that's the one thing that's really tough for where Rogers Arena is is like there's little to no areas around the actual arena, right? So whereas Climate Pledge, they've got that. Like you could set up a legitimate viewing party right outside your arena well i think we have exhausted uh, our canucks talk as we uh, digress into uh, arena plans um do we want to talk about uh the elephant in the room the uh, big story uh, in the nhl the, this broke this week yeah um yeah i do because it's really like like everybody it's it's incredibly bothersome and i've i've actually had a really hard time watching any hockey this week um because it's just it doesn't feel important you know what i mean like it in the grand scheme of things what hockey as a sport the nhl particular has done is so horrific that 
watching hockey this week just constantly reminded me of it. And I, I was, it's horrifying. Um, props to Rick Westhead. Um, and like Katie Strang and, and all the reporters that covered the story this entire time. Um, and not just the ones that are kind of jumping on the clout train right now. Um, props to Kyle Beach for coming out. And that interview was haunting. Like, I think that interview needs to be played for every minor hockey team and program. Um, all the coaches, if you're going to get into any sort of dealing with a team or children or anything, I think you need to watch that video. And I 100% agree with you. And and what of all the things that are pissing me off about this, it's the what's happening now that's that's pissing me off. I think the most, like mm-hmm. obviously, anything about it is just horrible. But to see a video like that now, as you said, Sean, you you'd think, yeah, as as you'd see something like that, and you would just you you, you as someone who obviously had nothing to do with the situation whatsoever, you feel terrible for the people who were involved who had knowledge of this to either refuse to be interviewed for the investigation because they want to pretend that they had nothing to contribute or to see a video like that now and still think of themselves their career and you know okay what do i need to say here so i don't get blowback on me and to to look us in the face, media in the face, and and put yourself on national television and pretend that you had no knowledge of something like this is so I I, I don't even have words for how maddening something like that is. The the lack of accountability that these you know a coach like how many times do you think during that fucking cup run that Quinville talked and preached about accountability of of these players. And 11 years later, this man is still seemingly confused as to why he is being asked to take accountability now for something and, and still has no capacity to do so. In that, that little morning interview that he did that he really said nothing, he talk, he, he again, the only thing he did say was he that call it a distraction. it's a distraction. The exact fucking thing that he clearly said 10, 11 years ago to everyone involved at the time that we don't want to make this a distraction eyes on the cup and and like you know like let's just give him that okay you win the cup then then what then then what do you do do you immediately then fire his ass string him up and and like say like you're out of here done no you put his name on the cup you allow him to celebrate a day with the cup be at the parade you write him a recommendation for a that's school the where part that's really underreported and, and does right this now. again to a younger person. How can you not take accountability for that now when there's a massive report that details all this information? You you literally think anyone is has has can possibly believe you or 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 anything else that you're saying now if you're such a fucking liar about something like this? I I like. <laughs> You know, yeah. Whoever wrote that letter to me, like the recommendation letters, whoever's name are on them, charge them with sexual abuse as well because they may as well have done it. Like they acted out. They set it up. They set it up by by allowing this person that they know is an abuser go and work with children. They allowed this to happen. In fact, they recommended it. 
That's what those letters did. They recommended him for that position. It's absolutely disgusting. I, I like I watching Quenville's presser, seeing Shevel Dayoff's statement, she, seeing Quenville's statement after he got uh, resigned um, from his position infuriated me because not even 24 hours prior to that, he had no knowledge. He had no, it was a, you know, and now he's like, I acknowledge that I had a, uh, a portion of that and I take, I take uh, my share of the blame. And it's like, you don't even know what your share is, bud. But like 24 I hours ago. didn't even write the statement. No. I bet you Gary helped him with it. And honestly, where's Gary Bettman's a public apology? Like he apologized apparently to Kyle Beach in a 20 minute uh, phone call um, with him and his lawyers. And Kyle was asking him a bunch of questions like, why did you do this? Why did you let the Blackhawks do the investigation? Why did you let this happen? And he was just like, oh, well, we didn't even know it was you. We didn't even know it was you. It's like, how did you not know it was me? Like in the reports, in the investigation, it says a black ace player that was in this year that is now currently playing in Germany. Well, let's play, let's play, uh, narrow it down. I believe they listed his height in the and weight and weight in the, in the report. I mean, I, I, I was able to put two and two together upon reading the report in the morning pretty quickly upon doing about three seconds of research onto the black aces. So to to say that Gary Batman, and, and you know, it's something that Malcolm mentioned, you know, we're looking at like 11 years, but it's a culture. It's, it's a culture. It's not just for hockey. We're seeing it. There's a, you know, another scandal with the Vancouver Whitecaps. It's, it's mm-hmm. sports in general. We see it with, with football. We just saw a scandal with John Gruden. It's, it's a culture that's built into these sports, into these organizations that we can just pass the buck. If anything happens, we'll just pass it on to the next person. We we'll have all of other. these people and we'll protect each other. And we're just going to be that gentleman's club. And I hope that it continues to be a distraction. I hope that every single day it's a distraction so that it has to change. So the culture has to change. So when when people talk about the Blackhawks or, or Brad Aldridge, or they look at, I hope what they I hope they do is X out the name on the cup. And they can ask about it. What's this? What does this mean? Well, this is why. And not only should they show this, the, the interview to minor hockey players and minor hockey coaches, football, basketball, mm-hmm. Take yep. your sport, take your pick, anything. School. That's a schools. This is this is like this is a sports thing. It's a sports issue, but it's also a life and it's a it's a societal issue. And we need to to whatever it takes, get rid of this gross culture that is ingrained in in society in sports. I, I think Taylor Hall had the best out of any players within the league coming up and saying something. And I think Dave Tippett had the worst, right? Like uh, Taylor Hall comes out and he's like, we talked about it last night. I loved that. That means that the whole team was talking about this incident and just how ugly it is, how unfortunate that Kyle Beach had to go through that and experience it, and that they were all there rallying support for Kyle Beach, that he can find some sort of solace out of this 10-year nightmare for him. Um, and that you know, that people needed to be accountable, that this was an old boys club. Like, I I loved that. I was eating it up because Taylor Hall was hitting every note that I was hoping somebody within hockey that had skin in the game would say, Dave Tippett goes out and says, I have relationships in Chicago. I don't want to say anything. Screw you, Dave Tippett. 
How dare like how dare yeah. you? You're prioritizing some what friendship with with sexual abusers over uh, a survivor? Like screw all the way off with that. I was so furious reading that that like and then seeing like Sportsnet posted a, a video of like Spectre and uh Prisipe saying that they don't think that uh Keith would have been that kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, they believe these. Like, they they believe these that like, he would have done something up. had he known. Like do as, we need some character said, recon for Duncan Keith? No. As like, you just he, said with the Taylor Hall thing, teams talk about this stuff. When you ever yes. you have a little I don't, I'm trying to come up with a word, like micro society, like you know, school campuses, mm -hmm. hockey teams, you know, like anything like that. Classrooms. Yeah. Everything gets around. You, you know, like think about just your high school parties. When people hooked up, the whole school knew about it at the, the you know by Monday at the party. Ah, yeah. You cannot <laughs> tell me yeah. for a second that every single person on that team wasn't fully aware of what was happening, and and just brushed it off because and and I think maybe maybe that's the difference between you know sports teams and school is. You can say the focus and our goal here is winning at, in sports. And clearly that's what they've done is winning is the most important thing. And we can prioritize that. Whereas professionals, we, we, winning is above all. But and, everybody and else is just pawns. That's what they've told themselves is that all these other things are, are less important than winning. I, I really liked what John Tortorella said too um, on the point. He coming out and saying like, look, if... These are kids in your control and your supervision. What if it was your 20-year-old child? Would you have acted differently? I like I yeah, not even a hesitation, to... right? Like no no question. It's not a that... distraction when it's blood. It's not a distraction when it's somebody in your control. Like I don't care as soon as you hear it, even a rumbling, even if it's not true, Aldridge is away from the team immediately. No question. It's your asked. it's your video coach. Like <laughs> I, with all due respect to video coaches out there, I imagine you can replace a video coach in a pinch if you need to. Yes. I help you, anybody's replaceable. You know, if it was Joel Quinville doing it, gone, right? I don't care. If it's if it's overtime, game seven and Stanley Cup finals, and you hear that the coach did something, he's gone. Like, I'm going down there, and I'm re physically removing him from anywhere around the team and organization. Right, yeah, like there's how, how, yeah. How does Florida allow him to coach that that night? Oh, that was tone deaf. <laughs> you know, Forty five minutes the after NHL the Beach after video. the win, you know, seven and zero for the Panthers. Like, do, like, do they not have some kind of conversation about hey guys, maybe a little heightened sensitivity, or or like again, you think as a PR person, your job would be to know what's going on right now with the Florida Panthers and the Chicago Blackhawks and you know the Winnipeg Jets. Like, what what are we paying you for? Like, you're, you're not like people are being like, oh, don't get mad at the social media person. That's not it's like, no, no, no. This, their job this is, this is to be their in job. touch with people. This is what yeah. they're being paid to do is, is produce accurate and, and good content. If, you know, if they just want someone to, you know, tweet out people's uh, records after seven games, they could probably do that with some sort of bot. They don't need to pay someone a salary for that. So like, no, that, that's person's responsible. Yeah. The only thing that I hope is because obviously I don't think all the dominoes have have fallen for this. Obviously, there's players talking to Donald Fear in the NHL Players Association. There's the Junior Players Association that um, 
might have been in his jurisdiction at this time. There's, you know, Gary Bettman and what he knew. I just hope that the dominoes continue to keep fault. Like, I, I hope that somebody in the NHL doesn't move a domino a little bit farther out of the way. So they stop and we get right back in all that shit that we've seen for years and years. Right. Like I, I hope this at least brings on systemic change. See, for me, there's a couple things I hope. I mean, first off, obviously that Kyle beach, whatever he needs out of working through this, he, he gets that right. That he gets that solace, that peace, that, whatever he's needing it, it's accomplished through this process i also like as much as seeing us like seeing people go back or like remove people i think that's an important first step but that's a first step it can't just be like yeah we've already got rid of those people now we're clean because you're not where's the preventative measures for yeah, making but- sure this doesn't happen again um i want to see uh, a better standard set for everybody not hey, if there's an issue, come to Gary Bettman or Donald Fair, because clearly that doesn't work. It didn't work for Kyle Beach. They all collectively let him down. So if there's an abuse, call an actual authority. Call the police. They are outside the organization. They do not have any skin in the game. And they can and should do something about that. That is a criminal offense. That's not a, that's not a, it's against our rule book. That is a criminal offense. And that should be policed by actual people that oversee criminal offenses. Take it away well, from the NHL. I've got good news for you, Sean, because actual headline on the NHL network, NHL message, there is no longer an excuse for not reporting instances of abuse. So before, there were there were excuses, but no oh, longer, Yeah. right? So there's the change that you wanted to see, right, Sean? Like, but, again, just but like if you the read further, deafness. Yeah, if you read yeah. further, it's to Gary Bettman, who, as far as I'm concerned, is just as guilty, right? Like, absolutely. Like Gary Bettman uh, had Bettman the opportunity. Are gone too? Is, is yeah. beyond me. I... So we're Again, yeah. All? So, like I said, I, I hope that these dominoes do continue to fall for yeah. whoever needs to to be removed of their positions, or whatever new strategies need to be implemented if they need to get a a completely third party organization that works with the NHL that ha you know, that is in charge of those things that, you know, people can come to that's out outside of the body of the NHL PA and the NHL, because it's, pre- it's pretty clear that, that, that Honestly, Batman and, and Donald be Fear don't work too far, you know, away from each other. So yeah. the, the thought I was playing with when I was thinking about Donald Fear was the like office space conversation. So what is it that you say you do here, Donald? Because it doesn't seem like you actually do anything that your role would pertain to. Like think okay, think about the issues that the NHL has Josh had. On that one. Good. I know I'm, I'm just thinking, yeah. I'm just playing the cover. No, I bring the specs to the customers. Well, why couldn't the NHL just do that? They're not good with people. people. Don't you understand? Like, what is wrong with you? Neither people? are you. Um, to me, like, okay, this is, yeah, like we'll, we'll cut off here soon here, but I just, to me, like, I I look at all of this and I'm like, okay, you can go back. And I think there, there are removal things that need to take place, but there are steps that need to happen to 
to be preventative and to get ahead of this. And the PA needs to be a lot more effective. Like think about all the things that uh, the PA has either done nothing or swept under the rug complicitly along with the NHL. Uh, concussions, uh, drug abuse. Uh, we just lost Jimmy Hayes, and that's 10 years after Rick Rippon, Derek Bugard, and Wade Belak all passed away. Um, we have had uh, the Joe Murphy uh, documentary that Rick Westhead did. Uh, now we have this. Like uh, Right now, um, they're, they're still fighting for Steve Monador to get answers there. Uh, like, at what point do we stand, like, everybody stand up and say that this needs to change? We love hockey, but there are dark things that need to change. There can be darkness amongst things that you love, and we need to remove those things. The, the Blackhawks are trying to get the current lawsuits thrown out. I know. I saw so, like, that. That was infuriating. They're saying that they've changed and they're making these steps to... And, and oh, they're so sorry, but they also want that just thrown out. Yeah, because he doesn't actually have a case. That's what's written in there is that they felt like it is, uh, yeah, it's been too long and they don't think that he has a substantial case. So throw it out. And then when asked why, they're like, well, why did you we file had to this? Reach the deadline. Oh, we had to do it, but it was a deadline. It was a legal deadline. Yeah. Come sorry, on. not good enough, man. Come on. Yeah, what not timing? good enough. You had 10 years to figure this out. At what point were you going to decide to jump in? It was a was it still a distraction in the off season? Was it still well, a distraction? At what point in the ten years was it going to be convenient convenient enough for you to get to? Clearly, never. Like they just they thought it was no big deal. Brushed yeah, off when their face was shoved in it. This is the same team that in the same year the Akimalu issues took place. The same team in the same year. They were on the same player page, actually, too. Yeah, they were roommates. <laughs> yeah. Like, <sighs> I, I, I'm just, like, I'm so far beyond here with my with my issues on this and my anger. I just, like, to anybody listening, and I just hope that you don't let this drop. Keep that anger up. Keep it vocal. Keep pushing. Because that is the only way that any change happens. Because... We've seen how easily they sweep things under the rug as soon as they're kind of forgotten or left alone. Keep on it. Keep on it and demand better because the things that you love, sports, the things that you look up to, these organizations, these players, these teams, these brands, owe you, the customer, a lot better. And they owe their own players a lot better. Yeah, I, I bet they're just hoping for, you know, another news cycle and, and another story to break and not to get distracted with that, right? Well, yeah. and I mean, Shevel Dave Dayoff didn't even have a an apology, like yeah. in his statement. It was it was the most pathetic statement I've ever seen. So I don't know. I just keep on it. Keep pushing. Keep, it's a, keep yeah, that it's anger. Some, some good chanting when Chicago's in the building and, uh, you know, Edmonton with Duncan Keith. You know, I think a, a captain coward for uh, whenever Jonathan Taves touches the puck would be good. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can we can uh, get creative to, to keep oh. the uh, fire burning. Shout, yeah. shout out to Boston Bruin fans. Yeah. For chanting fire. Never thought, I, yeah, never thought I, I'd I, hear that on a Canuck podcast. You're not going to hear fans. me utter that ever again, but so shout weird. out to them. I, I yeah. did enjoy that. <laughs> um, and and yeah, uh, Sean, you know you mentioned it, but I too want to just give uh, a shout out to Rick Westwood for all of his hard work. Um, looks like he's going to be 
taking a break off Twitter, which is good and, mm-hmm. and taking some time for himself. Um, so yeah, shout out to all of those, uh, those hardworking journalists that have uh, been at the, the root of this story, not letting it go away. We've had, we've had the pleasure of having Rick on our program a couple times and, uh, just a, a spectacular person. Um, so I couldn't think of anybody better to do that interview with Kyle Beach one-on-one on video um, than, than Rick. Like, he, you could see the care. You could see just how sensitive he was um, to Kyle and, and uh, like, uh, how emotional it was. Like that it was, was tough to watch. Oh, man. It just it gives it me chills horrible. even thinking about it. I just Rick, – Rick did such a great job handling that, so – yeah. I mean, I, I know we could probably spend a lot more time on this. I mean, but yeah, like watching that interview and some of the parts, like I literally, I think I had to stop the video probably about five or six times and just kind of compose myself and, you know, kind of take a walk around my house and just go, holy shit. Like him apologizing yeah, killed me. Yeah, I, I there, there was, there was shattered. a lot of things. Um, it's a, it's a difficult situation. It's, it's sad. It's frustrating. Um, all the best to, to Kyle Beach and his family, obviously. And yeah. I, yeah. I think that's, I mean, we could talk about this forever, but I, I think we covered that well. I just, you know, um, I, I, know, I, Sean, thing, I, know, I know you wanted to talk about it. So yeah. One thing that I really did appreciate out of this too, is there, there is a lot of people that have similar circumstances, unfortunately. Um, and they're, they're feeling emboldened or um you know heard and those people are sharing their stories and that needs to happen a lot more they're they're finding the support that they need um so personally on a personal note my dms are open um i'm very reachable on everything um i try to keep that as much as possible so that um in in circumstances i've had a lot of friends and family go through circumstances like this uh i know how hard it can be um find find support systems in place and if if there's any better example than kyle and what how he's handled this um it's that this this is uh healing and uh i i hope that those people can also find that 